You are listening to Kansas City Podcast Network. Talent-driven, FCC-free. Check out our show lineup, videos, events, and more over at kcpn.org. The Voices of Kansas to an all-new edition of the Tailgate Podcast, and for the first time in this podcast yeah. history, Ty is not a part of it this week. No, no. I did. I sounded too enthusiastic when I said, yeah. Yeah. That was weird. I thought you were going to yeah. say it was the first time that it's just you and me, but, yeah, no, it which is. is also true. Yeah. Like, it's been the two of them. It's been me and Ty, and so, yeah, yeah. this is a, it's a whole new world here. Officially one of each. Yes. Officially, twice you and Ty have done it, but we, know, <laughs> we all know about the Hashtag podcast. The one that never happened, part three. <laughs> the podcast that never was. Yeah. As always, in the back room at uh, Taps on Main, uh, it's Super Bowl week. Duncan, how you it feeling? It is Super Bowl week, man. I'm getting amped up. Like it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things. It's I don't remember if I said it before. If I, I don't know, but I, it's, it's I'm the epitome of that duck on water, you know, where it's, hey, he looks cool. He looks fine and calm. No, underneath the surface, You're just, just a mile like a minute, hell. man. Absolutely. <laughs> so, no, yeah. it's uh, so, I'm so excited. Very, very excited for Sunday. Yeah. Uh, yeah, last, I mean, last year's Super Bowl was, I mean, one of my funnest days working in a bar. And mm-hmm. The funnest day I've ever had working in a bar in 15 years in the industry. Um, can only imagine how it's like to be a fan working, like, in that environment, but wow, it was, it was nuts last year. I definitely, uh, I watched it at the other place in Overland park last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is, I will be watching at least part of it this year. Uh, and so, um, I've kind of got, I'm, I've got some Gracie wants me to be here for some of it. We're going to do a little pregame, uh, or we're talking about doing a little pregame, uh, show before, for the Super Bowl. Okay. And so, but I've got people at the other place. My brother DJs during Chiefs games there. And then my boy Poncho, I go to all the games with. Yeah. So I think I might be a little bit split allegiance yeah. in where I'm viewing on on uh, Sunday. So I don't need to watch the weekend's halftime show. You mm-hmm. know, I can just zip on down uh, 35 to what, get on over there. Is there, what, what is the halftime show? Does anybody know that? It's the weekend. That's all I know. Oh, I've week- seen the Pepsi commercials <laughs> with the weekend. You uh, thought, you, you said, thought, like, yeah, the <laughs> no, no, the uh, weekend, that it's just, I think it's yeah, W-E-E-K-N-D-I don't think there's the the third E there. The artist. The artist known as the weekend. Bright lights, man. I don't know why that didn't click with me. I'm blinded, but not the bright lights. That's some other song. That's like a Matchbox Twenty song or something. Yeah, it's a good song. But yeah, but anyway, no, weekend is incredible. Yeah, that's a good that's a good choice. That's a one of the first halftime shows that maybe is going to be good for me. I, I, I think I don't so. Like a lot of I them. mean, they had you know they had after the the whole Justin Timberlake and uh, Janet Jackson fiasco, they've pretty much done nothing but. Huh? Yeah. No, Ty, right? <laughs> Ty Grant says it's a dream team. Oh, in <laughs> your face. That, you're not, yeah, Ty's not feeling well, just so you know. So, so he's not here. All right. From what I understand, he sounds like Doc Rivers. He does sound a little bit like Doc Rivers right now. <laughs> <laughs> He'd love to be here, but he just can't. You know, Ty, you just, it's, hey, Blake, Blake, they, they did everything What are you could. thinking? They did everything they could. It's just, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. There's just nothing you can do about it. It seems way better. So, Ty, wish you were here. Love you. How appropriate that. I told him I was going to do it. Yeah. No, I. I, I <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And you, and 
Yeah. There and I think it's very convenient that Ty's not here the weekend or the the show that we would finally get to see him shed tears about the Matthew Stafford trade. <sighs> Man, yeah. Um let's get into that actually before we actually we'll go break ahead. Down. Yeah, I'm yeah, that, since that was Huge news. That was gangbusters, man. That was yeah, not, big. Not the uh, not the team I expected to come out with him. Not going to lie. No. Um, but reading into it, apparently Sean McVay pounded the table for him, went to the owner himself, like texted the owner himself saying, like, I want him. He sent that one down the yep. pipeline, huh? <laughs> the pipeline. God damn, Duncan. That's, that's a good one. You don't know. There's rumors that uh, part of the reason why Sean McVay and Jared Goff fell out of good standing is because... Uh, Jared Goff in a group text to teammates said that he would pipe Sean McVay's girlfriend if he should have piped down. So <laughs> should have piped down a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so Sean McVay <laughs> was apparently not okay. I mean, this is just hearsay. We don't know for yeah, sure whether or not there's actually any legitimate truth to that. But uh, if that's the <laughs> that's case, really funny. that's hilarious. It is really, and, and I mean, it's also true. Like, he's, have you seen her? Like, she's gorgeous. <laughs> absolutely. No, she's gorgeous. And so and. I mean, Sean McVay is not an old man by any no. means. He's 35 years old. I think yeah. he just turned 35. And Jared Goff's 26. So, I mean, it's this yeah. is this is one of those things when you have, you know, a young head coach, like, right. uh, who's, who's an attractive guy in his own right. Like, that's that, these are things that can happen. So, yeah. you know, you're not going to see that with, I don't know, who John Gruden or, or you know, Ron Rivera. Or actually, yeah. bless Ron Rivera's wife and everything like that for what she went through. But... That's just, yeah, that's what you, and you're in L.A., too. He's fine. He's fine? Yeah, he said he's fine. He just didn't want to do it. Oh, fair enough. Well, we already did our oh. Doc Rivers bit and making fun of him, oh, so. That's cool. He just didn't want to cry. That's fun. Um, Apparently Ty's fine. He just didn't want to be here. Fair, I mean, the, I considered had the Chiefs lost to the Browns not come, just making up some reason and not coming in anyway, so maybe Ty just didn't want to talk about what we are discussing now, this whole Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff trade. Um a lot of interesting stuff has come out uh, since this trade went down. Uh-huh. Uh, like the just, I mean, there's been a lot of criticism of how the Rams run their front office. Clearly, don't really value the first round picks like uh, other teams do. Uh, they're going to go eight years. This is not, it. Will be eight years because yeah. they traded three or they traded two first rounders, two second rounders, and a third rounder to with the uh, mm-hmm. shoot. Who did they make that deal with? When they went up and got Jared Goff Ooh. in 2016. The, no, the Browns, that was Wentz. There was, Browns was Wentz. Who um, was the number one like, pick that year? I can't remember. Jaguar? But I don't know. That's, that's been a while. Might have been the Colts? No, it wasn't the Colts. Anywho, actually, it might have been the Colts. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was a big deal. Uh, and so you're, you're talking about, yeah, it's, they're 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, now 22 and 23 first-round picks that they will not have used on anybody. And so if you really want to break it down that way, what the uh, what the, the Rams just did is they traded their 22 and 23 first-round picks, and then what is essentially breaks down is their 16, 17, and 18 first-round picks and a third-round pick for Matthew Stafford. 32-year-old Matthew Stafford. Um, yeah. I well, mean, and I made, I made the point to Ty in our group chat – He's upset, obviously, but Matthew Stafford's almost 33 years old. He's entering his 13th season in the league. And you Tennessee. just. Oh, it was, it was the Titans. That's right. Wow. Yeah. I was never going to guess that. I, um, and well. you flipped him. You just flipped, you just flipped that, that 13 year veteran 
for essentially three first-round picks. Mm -hmm. Because I think with Jared Goff is still a productive NFL quarterback. He hasn't fallen off the cliff like Carson Wentz well, has. Some people are making cases it was like five. Basically. Well, yeah, yeah, with, with the picks that, with, with that the they traded trade, with yeah. that they got for Goff, too. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I'm just looking at because – and this is a hypothetical that I came up with, but say say that he 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 flourishes in Detroit. They brought up mm -hmm. Anthony Lynn as their offensive coordinator. He's clearly right. done some good work with Phillip Rivers in the past, mm -hmm. and he did excellent work with Justin Herbert down in Los Angeles this mm -hmm. past season. If they're going to go with more of a run-based – uh, play action offense in Detroit, then what he, he's not going to be chucking the ball down the field as much mm -hmm. in Detroit than he did in Los Angeles. This is an opportunity with a good offensive coordinator. And one of the things that Jared Goff has come out and said is how thrilled he was or how, how surprised he was and subsequently thrilled him with how the phone calls, the reception he got from folks in the Detroit front office, yeah. all the way down from they, you know their new general manager, they're gonna give, they're head gonna coach, give him every opportunity to be this starting quarterback. Yeah. Like, for a while, and but it does benefit them having those extra picks. Yes, the next couple of years, if it doesn't work out with Jared Goff, the next couple of years they have two opportunities, if not more, to well, get another. Quarter. Well, and I'm looking at this too. Is say they still go out and try to go get Zach Wilson or Justin Fields in the first round of this mm -hmm. year, which I think that they will. You can you're eating the majority of Jared Goff's massive contract extension this season. They could right. cut him next offseason and only have to eat twelve, thirteen million dollars. Right. I say only, but in NFL terms, really, that's not that much. Mm -hmm. And if he does flourish and has a good year, he'll be 27 years old. You could flip him to a quarterback needy team and easily get a first round pick out of him. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that'd be you'd be talking about Detroit getting three first round picks out of their 13 year veteran quarterback. Mm -hmm. Who and the other thing I try to put it into context for Ty. Even if they get a second, like that's that's with what they've already got in return. Yeah. Like in anything is just. And Detroit, it's, it's Detroit has money to burn like they, right now. Exactly. They're not they're not up against the cap. Right. And in this rebuild, that is a smart thing to do. Go out and get your get yourself some young players. Yeah, they don't get anybody in the draft this year other than the third round pick. Mm -hmm. But I mean, still if you're able to flip Goff and get, yeah, a second which again, I think you could get a first round pick for him. Right. And so potentially three first round picks out of a thirty, almost thirty three year old quarterback. And what I try to put it in a context for Ty for is he, he was your first overall pick, the first um, yeah first first round draft pick in 2009. You look at it, Matt Ryan, who is a guy who we've talked about in this podcast, mm -hmm. and I said Atlanta might flip for a first round pick. You and Ty both argued, and I think correctfully so, that he he wouldn't fetch a first round pick, maybe a two, right. maybe a second, but definitely not a first. And this is a guy who was drafted just one year before Atlanta has invested one more year in Matt Ryan than Detroit had in Matthew Stafford. Yeah. And to be able to get three for, potentially three first-round picks out of him, and that's when you would already have Zach Wilson maybe ready. Like the, You can do what, what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. You mm -hmm. can sit Zach Wilson or Justin Fields for a year, let Jared Goff go out, have a good season, flip him for a draft pick. The only difference is, mm -hmm. is Jared Goff isn't 33, 34 like, like right. Alex Smith was when, yeah. when the Chiefs traded him. Yeah, I I agree with that. Like they're they're in a no lose situation with this, mm -hmm. as long as they hit on their picks. Yes, that's the biggest thing with this. How how it's going to be graded later? Like right now, by far, Detroit won that trade. But in any trade, you have to look at it four years down the line, especially with yeah, it's, it's yeah. The, that's what when all the picks have been conveyed and everything, mm -hmm. and then a full year. Like if they don't hit on those two first round picks, and maybe Stafford goes to. It stays in L.A. and maybe wins the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. 
then LA won that trade. Yeah. I mean, if you get a title, but, if you get a title out of it, absolutely. Yeah. And that's and the Rams had to make a big splash. Absolutely. They had to to keep up in that division. I mean, yeah, Seattle definitely had their they faltered down the stretch after being a Super Bowl favorite. Russ was an MVP favorite. It just didn't work out for them. They had to improve at quarterback and they went mm-hmm. out and did it. Uh, that Super Bowl window was like I said in our group chat, it was slamming closed. Yeah. It it was coming to an end. They didn't capitalize on the time they got there. Uh, they've had solid seasons since then, like at best. Uh, and it was clear that the Goff McVay thing wasn't working. No, and and but when I look at some of the problems that the Rams had, I don't think it's all. I don't. I think very little of it was Jared Goff. Right. I think that you know there was obviously it was investing in Todd Gurley, and that right. was that was an unfortunate thing. Like we've talked about that. Yeah. That sucks. His knees deteriorated. That's just that's a shitty thing to happen to a young man like that. Yeah. Um, but. You know, you've had injuries to Cooper Cup, and they've gone and traded second and first round picks for Sammy Watkins and Brandon Cooks, neither of whom are on the team anymore. I mean, and you, you also look at that, and I mentioned this that because you mentioned that there was a, a former NFL executive who said that he likes this, mm-hmm. the, what the, this the strategy the Rams are employing, because then you're getting guys that you know, you're getting. Yeah, and he also and, he also said like it's such a crapshoot in the first round, and like. You, it's so rare to hit, and I'm like, man, that's a pretty bad excuse that, and, for being bad at yep. drafting in the early rounds. Because like, I'm and have they done anything with it? No, not necessarily. But like, being a Cowboys fan, they went a six-year stretch where they drafted five All Pros. Mm-hmm. You can get Hall of Fame caliber talent. Obviously, it's the first round, and you're just making excuses for Les Snead being bad at it. Yeah. And to to that point, Les Snead also, when he made that huge deal, traded down with uh, Washington and let them have uh, the second overall pick and draft RG3, and they had this bevy of draft picks. Everybody Mm -hmm. talked about this is what a brilliant move this was for Les Snead early on in his career. I think that was his first or second year with the Rams. Mm -hmm. And they ended up just just punting on most of those. Michael Brockers was the only pick out of that. One of the wide receivers from – uh, West Virginia, uh, not it wasn't Tavon Austin, but the one that his career uh, ended early. Uh, Stedman Bailey. Yep. I'm pretty yep. sure he was one of them. There was a running, was one of them. There's a running back in there, like and like all of them solid players, but nothing, nothing worth, nothing worth keeping. Giving, getting rid of the second overall pick. And Michael Brockers is a guy who, when you look at the career value that he's had, you probably could have gotten. That's probably worth a second or third round pick. For sure. Definitely not a first-round pick. No. And Les Snead just – he continues – they are – I think this is it. This is it. If this backfires, mm-hmm. he's done because they are playing with fire. Oh, I mean, all their chips are in on this. Like, yeah. they, they have to hit that Super Bowl window in the next two to three years. And if they don't even – even this first season, if they don't even make it to the NFC Championship game, it looks like a massive failure. Mm-hmm. If – they, and, and that's a tough division. Like, that's there's there's teams – I mean, there's rumors that the 49ers are trying to maneuver for some quarterbacks. That's uh, one of the things I was actually going to say is if you would have told me a month – or tell, two weeks ago mm-hmm. that the team in the NFC West that was going to make a big move for, for a quarterback – I would have said 49ers. I would have sure. said 49ers easily. Yeah, he was in my top three of where I – ideally wanted Stafford to go is there the Colts and uh, New England, which uh, once they got Patricia, Matt Stafford wanted nothing to do with New England again. So, and, and I can see, I still think that the Niners will make a move because the Niners have so much, so much talent coming back from injury. My money is probably on either Matt Ryan or uh, Kirk cousins, two guys that 
Shanahan has dealt with in the past, has won with in the past, and know how to play in this. I think they should. I think they should go with Ryan. Ryan and for sure. <laughs> all of a sudden, that's the best of it. That's the best quarterback division in football. All of a sudden, I mean, you're talking Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, and Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. That is an outstanding it's, group of quarterbacks. I mean, this past year was already one of the most competitive divisions overall, and you get elevated quarterback play for two of the teams. Mm-hmm. It's just going to get better. I mean, of course, we'll see what happens. I think Pete Carroll is – I think the game has passed him by at this point. Yeah. Um, um, I did – it's actually – I I did like who they ended up getting as their offense coordinator, but now it's slipping my mind who it was. Um, Arizona scares the hell out of me. I'll yeah. just say that because with Cliff Kingsbury, I think he is what he is. What what he what we he is what we thought he was, and that is he's an offensive guru. He's a smart cat. He's very innovative, and he'll come up with some crazy schemes on offense. But ultimately, his defenses are always going to be left wanting. And yes, it's a lot easier for him in the NFL to go get a defensive coordinator to try to work and fix the defense, but. I also still do have my concerns with Kyler Murray until they truly mm-hmm. solidify that offensive line because sure. Kyler Murray is not a big dude, and he's going to take his hits. I mean, that's that's the reality of it. And when you're talking about a guy who's the size of an average running back at about 5'10", mm-hmm. or five, yeah, 5'10", 210 pounds, I mean, there's a reason NFL running backs have a short shelf life. And if they want him to try to be like a Lamar Jackson where he's going to run all over the place mm-hmm. – He's going to end up having a career more like a Cam Newton, where it's right. going to be just burn bright and then flame out. Uh, actually, it, it was a for, the passing game coordinator for the Rams that the Seahawks brought in okay. as their as their offensive coordinator, and that's something that's underrated in all this with the Rams offseason is they lost a lot of important coaches. Yeah. coaches. Brandon Staley uh, became the head coach uh-huh. in uh, Los Angeles. Uh-huh. The other Los Angeles. The other Los Angeles. Yeah, and then, I mean, Shane Waldron, I think there was like three more that were all important higher-level coaches that, I mean. And yet, not a damn coach from the Chiefs got plucked by unreal. anyone. I don't understand it. I really don't. Uh, obviously, like, the the enemy thing, it just doesn't make sense. Whether he has the baggage that people talk about from his days in Colorado uh, I mean, reading into it, there's not a whole lot that was ever proven about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, he has been con- called a model citizen by everyone he's worked with. So I, I do wonder if the Chiefs hadn't gone to the Super Bowl if he would have been hired sure. by another team. Because I think that you, you when you see like with the Texans, I think inevitably that they just ran out of patience mm-hmm. to wait to actually be able to get him into the organization. Whereas with David Coley, they could. Right. And but my my issue is you see all these and I I understand like you don't have to be a play caller to become a head coach that's mm-hmm. that's not a thing that's over that overall important it's more about how you uh, run the organization and demand yep. respect from the players but like the, the, you have two different guys who have never called plays in their careers that have gotten head coaching jobs this offseason mm-hmm. ahead of someone who has led one of the do- most dynamic offenses of the Super Bowl yep. era ever. Like, it's it's just disheartening. And, and and he is that CEO type. He is the guy yeah. that commands the room. He mm-hmm. is the guy that he's got he's got his fingers dipped in every little thing that's going on yeah. in that organization. And he will whenever he gets the opportunity. And I you know I look at Mike Kafka and I know he interview or the, that the Seahawks wanted to interview him for their OC position. And I wonder if maybe Kafka and I this is what my hope has been is maybe Kafka does realize that he could be the next guy to 
inherit the yeah. Patrick Mahomes kingdom, I will yeah. say, from Andy Reid. And but the longer the enemy goes without getting hired, that that also affects you guys with Kafka. Yeah, because he has to be sitting there like, all right, but I I could have this opportunity somewhere else. And, and yeah, you guys have the you have Pat Mahomes. You guys mm. have the ideal offense to where like, even if you're not, even if you're learning on the job, you're probably going to be fairly successful because yeah. of who. Who you're calling plays I mean, for, and I think that's one thing that it comes out with is yeah. who do you do? Would you rather go to this rebuilding franchise? And mm-hmm. you have to, yeah, it's, it's fun and exciting to be able to develop your own quarterback. But down down the line, and this is obviously way, way, way decades down the line. But when you look at head coaching legacies, are they really going to be like you're the guy that drafted and developed this guy? Or are they going to be like, right. yeah, you won a bunch of titles? Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're not going to care. Yeah, and I mean. Cully is a Andy Reid guy and someone yeah. who Andy Reid has, he, he has been for. Vouched for, vouching for for a while for mm-hmm. a head coaching job. He's actually the oldest ever first-time head coach in NFL history, hmm. 65 years old. Wow. Uh, Andy Reid has been trying to get this guy a head coaching job for a while. Uh, but it also, like, you have to look at it this way, like, well, if he's been trying to get a head coaching job for a while – and hasn't been, why wouldn't you, like, try to become an offense coordinator? Yeah. And get that po- – like, because that might be the thing that was holding him back. It, but it, it reminds me a little bit of the Bruce Arians situation, yeah. of how Arians had been that offensive guru, the quarterback guru and the offensive coach for years and was about to retire. And then all of a sudden, you know, Arizona comes calling and say, hey, do you want to be our head coach? I hope that you know, he – unfortunately, that the, the Chuck Pagano situation. situation. In Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, I mean, Arians – one uh, coach of the year that year mm-hmm. uh, in his place, which had never happened for an interim coach uh, winning uh, NFL coach of the year. But yeah, I'm Bruce Arians. Yeah. The, you see it all the time. These guys that never get that opportunity, but like, were they the coaches for the most dynamic offense yeah. ever? And I, I don't, I don't know. I just don't get it. A lot of these teams, the only positive I think that came out of this uh, this round of the coaching carousel is that there wasn't a lot of retreads. There mm-hmm. wasn't actually any. Well, every single guy that's the first time being an NFL head coach, yep. even, I mean, even Urban Meyer is the one guy who with, like, extensive coaching experience, mm-hmm. but he's a college guy. And Definitely an unknown. Yeah, and I'm, honestly, he put together an incredible staff. I, yeah. I, I think he did a good job. Other than Scott Winahan. No, he didn't actually hire him as offense. Daryl Bevel was the offense. Oh, never mind. Yeah, Bevel's like, much I, better call than Scott. Linehan. Yeah, I was in, I was very impressed. I, I think Scott Winahan is going to be involved in some way. Um, if he's an offensive he's not the consultant offense coordinator. or something, that's right. perfectly fine. For sure, but also the diversity. Sela got hired. Coley is mm-hmm. uh, African American. Like they, they, it's it's getting a little bit better. Not enough, um, but it. It warms my heart not seeing the same guys yeah. getting jobs over and over again. Like seeing Jeff Fisher get hired again and guys Marvin like Lewis. Mar- and, yeah. I mean, and personally, I do think Marvin Lewis does deserve another opportunity with a franchise sure. at some point. I mean, I think it's very underrated what he did in Cincinnati when yeah. Cincinnati has been it's a hard place to win. That's a tough place, and it's been that way for thirty years now. Absolutely, um, but. No, I mean it's it's been a it's been an interesting go around for the head coaches again this year. But I but I completely agree. It is very refreshing to see all these new faces in different in different spots. And 
it's you know we'll see some you know, some teams this are going to emerge from this. Other teams aren't. Like, this that's Super Bowl matchup is huge for that future too. Because if you look at mm-hmm. both staffs, it's a lot of there's a lot of diversity on both staffs. Yep. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> Bruce Arians filled his staff with he has uh, women on his staff. He has mm-hmm. a ton of African American men on his. Most of his coordinators are all African American. Yep. Uh, I mean, you guys have Eric Bieniemy and a multitude of other guys on your staff. It's this this is a big Super Bowl for them. Yeah. Like because those guys' names will be out there even more. You got Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles. I mean, those a lot of guys that deserve second opportunities in, in bowls. I don't. Yep. Agreed. Think, I thought I think he got kind of a a raw deal. That's the Jets. Um, yeah. Yeah. But let's get into the, the Super Bowl. We'll get into that Super Bowl a little bit. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? Man, where, where how do you do you think this plays out similarly to the first meeting where it's kind of back and forth the whole way or do you think you you guys are going to come out and smack them cuz I'm nervous but I think that's to be expected. I think yeah, that's if you're not nervous then then you shouldn't you're not a true fan. Mm-hmm. Having said that, there's just this feeling in my gut I think the Chiefs are going to come out and handle some business. Um mm-hmm. I think that the the national media, the, the national sports media, just has this thing because the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL that they need to poke holes and they need to find <laughs> reasons to prop up their opponents. You saw sure. them do it with Cleveland. You saw them do it with Buffalo. And now you're seeing them do it with Tampa Bay. And this right. is the Super Bowl. Right. And that was the AFC Championship. And those Buffalo was the second best team in the AFC. And I, I heard something earlier where – Somebody said, "Is like okay, so because Buffalo is the second best team in the NFL, that means you're going to try to find reasons why, like areas where they are better than the Chiefs. Just because you're the second best doesn't mean that you're going to be better than them in certain areas. Like right. just because you're second best doesn't like they're first best for a reason. And I think I look at Tampa Bay the same way. They're great in a lot of things, but how many things are they really maybe better than the Chiefs at? Offensive line, yes. Um, Defensive line." I don't think so front, because front seven in general. I think you are, they are front but. seven. Yes, defensive line. No, <clears throat> because of, you've seen Chris Jones and Frank Clark turn it up in the playoffs, particularly again in Buffalo. I mean, they mm-hmm. completely harassed and just threw Josh Allen completely off his game. <laughs> and oh, what has happened in the three Super Bowls that Tom Brady has lost? Oh, he's had pass rushers make his day hell. And yes, this is a this is arguably the best of offensive line in the well, league, but. In, I think actually, I think it was actually only was it in both Giants Super Bowls or just one of them where Spagnuolo was the defense coordinator. I think, I think it was, it was like only one, one of them. I, th- I thought so too. <clears throat> but uh, Tom Brady against Spagnuolo in general in his career, I think he's like one in three, mm-hmm. and his quarterback rating, every stat across the board, he is is worse yes. against him overall in his career. So having spags there helps. And, and and I think but I I just really think you look at what they did in their playoff run last year and you look at how they harassed Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. I mean, Frank Clark ended each of the three playoff games last year. The last defensive play was a sack by Frank Clark. I think Frank Clark people criticize him during the regular season. I did last season during the regular mm-hmm. season. And but the fact is he comes out and he produces when it, when it counts. Yeah. And he's motivated. You know, Chris Jones is motivated. You've got I wish we had, like, that ideal third pass rusher, but Okafor could step up. Mike Dana, the rookie out of Michigan, could step up. I mean, right. uh, Tano Passanio. So 
My brother asked me a question when I'd made a score prediction. He said, that seems a little bit low for Tampa Bay's end. Are you thinking that they're going to turn the ball over? And he's like, who's going to get the interceptions? And I said, well, it could be a number of people. I was mm-hmm. like, the Super Bowl is a weird thing. It could be Tano Passanio, all six foot seven of them reaching up and just, holy shit, I got a ball. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a number of things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, odds, odds are it would be Teron Matthew or, mm-hmm. or Juan Thornhill or uh, Legereus Sneed but, or D- D- Dirty Dan Sorensen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I think in this game – I think the Chiefs are going to do enough to get up early, but I don't think that they're going to let the Buccaneers get back in within three this time. I think it's a double-digit victory. Mm-hmm. Not huge double-digit victory, uh, but I... Ty has them by 11. Yeah, I know, the son of a bitch, and that's literally the <laughs> score that I told, I told my brother. You can have the same score. Eh, no, I, I can't do because I actually told my, my brother and I went and had uh, dinner on Saturday, and I, he's like, so what's your prediction? I, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what I said, 34-23. And... He uh, or maybe I went thirty four twenty four. It's, I think I might have gone thirty four twenty four. But um, damn it! I and I told I told my brother I was like I reserve the right. I was like I will make an official prediction in the podcast. So I reserve the right to <laughs> hold off for a second. But uh, I I do think the Chiefs are going to win, not necessarily comfortably because again it's the Super Bowl. But I just score a touchdown late that puts it out of reach. And I, I just – I don't see – I don't like Tampa Bay's secondary that much outside of Winfield. No. And uh, I don't see them being able to keep what? up. Levante, David, and, and uh, uh, Devin White scare me. Yeah. Especially with uh, Kelsey. But Kelsey's also playing on another level that it doesn't, it doesn't matter well, who's covering him. He's I mean, been able to get separation. Look what, look what uh, <clears throat> Hill did the first meeting. 200-some yards, three touchdowns. And I know maybe. they'll remember that, and that's one thing right. that's been part of this narrative is, oh, they, we, they're not going to forget that. And but it, it's it's not like that kid's going to get better at covering. He actually uh, – his name is escaping me, the outside corner. Um, Bunting Murphy? Carlton oh, Davis? Carlton Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's giving up, like, the highest quarterback rating of any corner in the playoffs. So, I mean, he hasn't proven to have improved since mm-hmm. then. Uh, I think – other than the Chiefs game and, and the playoffs, he actually did have a pretty good year. But there's certain guys who it doesn't matter who they're going against. You just can't cover them. And, I mean, Hill's one of those guys right now. Yes. Uh, no matter who he's gone against, last year against Sherman, who had an all-pro year, he burned him. Mm-hmm. I mean, every time he's played against um, – uh, shit, what's his name in L.A.? Um, oh, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. He's burned him. Like, and you've already had the comments of Scotty Miller coming out and saying, and mm-hmm. it's only him saying that he'd take himself against anybody else. wrong, but that's fine. Have confidence in yourself. No, Hill, no. Hill gave him pro- props My point is, yeah, oh, Hill's going to give him props for mm-hmm. sure. Hill's also going to remember that, and yeah. he's going to take that chip on his shoulder into the game. Absolutely. As will Miko Hardman. looked it up. He, probably he is too. very fast. He ran a 4 3 nine. Like, Oh, he's, yeah. He's a, he's a really quick kid. But Hill's one of those guys that if he would have been in the combine – would have been right in there for, like, one of the fastest 40 times yes. ever. Yes, like, he would have been insane. Yeah. But I do see, and I do see, but I will admit, there are definitely the concerns of the Chiefs' offensive line and then the Buccaneers' defensive line. But I look at it as well as, Especially yeah. Especially with out now, too. Well, not necessarily. They're both him, Kilgore, and I thought if you're on the COVID list. If you're five days, you can make it back. So both him and Robinson can still play on Okay. potentially, if they're non-contact. Um, but, and, uh, which I'm going to have to, I think that'll come out either later today or tomorrow. Gotcha. Um, but I, 
the Chiefs offensive line, it's one game. You know, that's the thing is you look at – and it's, it's the same with the, with the Buccaneers offensive line and the Chiefs defensive line. It's mm-hmm. one game. And you look at a couple of the years when Brady lost Super Bowls, he had damn good offensive lines, some of the best in the league. And it's just – it's just about comes down to that one game. There's a reason there's the saying any given Sunday. And sometimes your guys just want it more than the other guys. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Tampa Bay. But these are going to be some motivated Chiefs offensive linemen. And the fact of the matter is this defensive line that people are touting up for Tampa Bay, it's not what San Francisco was bringing last year. That's true. And no, the Chiefs don't have Fisher or Schwartz this time. But I think I saw something where only out of the top five PFF-rated uh, defensive lineman for the Niners last year, only one Buccaneer lineman would be among their top five, and that's Vida Vea, who is still, let's be honest, still working back from injury. Yeah. And so Shaq Barrett does scare me a little bit because of the speed going against some of the, the makeshift uh, tackle situation for the Chiefs offensive line. But we also had some of these guys get experience against New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And the, you're talking about Trey Hendrickson and Cam Jordan that were going against the likes of Andrew Wiley and Rammers was out, but an injured – Eric Fisher and other linemen had to compensate for that. And, yeah, they had a few moments, and this Bucks line will get a few moments. But I, I just I think that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are going to be scheming and game planning because it's not like they're losing the guy in the middle of the game. They know what to expect. Absolutely. And a lot of these guys also, so Martinez Rankin, uh, Wiley, a lot of these guys also started week uh, 17 against, San Diego, or against Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And Another good defensive line. So, yeah, even without Bosa, still a good defensive yeah. line. And so they got some experience there, and all of a sudden that could be key in this. And, again, I think it just comes down to it's one, it's one game, and I think that these, they, these guys are good enough, and Andy Heck is a good enough offensive line coach, that they can scheme up a way to overcome this pass rush. Because while a guy like Shaq Barrett does scare me, Jason Pierre-Paul and Ndamukong Sue are both on the wrong side of 30. Right. And they can be, they can be uh, neutralized. I think it's sometimes hard for Jason Pierre-Paul to grasp – <laughs> Where his career is at? Uh, <laughs> it's a joke. You better watch out, or else Dominican <laughs> Sue is going to walk all over you for that one. Oh, there we go. Oh man, see, yeah, we don't have to have Ty here to guys. get yeah. to good pun jokes in. Come on, that was good. We got you, Ty. We got you. All right. So, all that said, final score prediction. Still pissed that Ty took that from me. So <laughs> I'm going to go 3724. 3724 bucks. Oh, you son of a bitch. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, the other thing is, and I mentioned it last week, is um, 63 offensive possessions for the Chiefs under Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, only three turnovers. That's the thing that the Buccaneers do. And that's how they survive. And yeah, people will talk about how Tom Brady has done this and done that. And They've won a lot of games. They didn't win that many impressive games this year. Yeah, nope. Green Bay was impressive, but nope. they, especially down the stretch, and what they did in the playoffs, some can consider it impressive. I look at it as you beat Taylor Heineke, and you didn't even cover the spread on the road, a 7-9 and team in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You beat up on a, Drew Brees clearly is done. I mean, he was not himself, especially yep. in that second half. And then Tom Brady wasn't himself in that, in that second half against Green Bay. And mm-hmm. Green Bay got in their own way mm-hmm. in that game. And they, they thrive off of turnovers, and that's what they did against Green Bay. And then Tom Brady still tried to give the game to Green Bay, and they couldn't do it with those three second-half turnovers. Brady showed that he's a little bit careless with the ball. 
And people are going to say that Mahomes gets careless with the ball. And I saw some video that somebody put out last week. Uh, they're like, well, these are all these plays where Tom Brady or where pa- uh, Patrick Mahomes should have been intercepted. Mm-hmm. You could put together a video of any quarterback in the league of throws, at least a dozen throws that they throw over the course of a season that should have been picked off. And oh, I watched sure. it was 16 throws that this guy says Patrick Mahomes should have been intercepted. Half of them were balls into the ground when the guy is diving toward it and it lands right in front of his face and bounces into his face mask. And this guy is saying that those are balls that should have been intercepted. Like, and I'm not even kidding. It was like eight of them, seven or eight of them out of this wow. 16 that were into the dirt. And it's like, yeah, Mahomes does that intentionally. He throws it low sometimes knowing that either, either my guy's going to get it or nobody's going to get it. Mm-hmm. And so but the three, three turnovers by the offense in those 63, and then since he threw that second pick, and he has shown tremendous growth since, mm-hmm. since that second pick, even in that fourth quarter against the 49ers, I'm going to come back to it. I know I said it last week, but 19 possess- offensive drives – Three of them you throw out because they're end of game or end of half kneel downs. Fourteen of them they scored on. When they were, so out of those 19, 16 they were trying to score on, they scored on 14 of them. One of them a missed field goal. One of them a punt. That's, that's insane. That's insane. And so this Tampa Bay defense does not scare me as much outside of those linebackers. I just, yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to come out. And yeah, 37-24, that's my prediction. Tampa Bay will put up some points. But Teron Matthews coming out for blood. Frank Clark is coming out for blood. Chris Jones is coming out for blood. Legereus Sneed is a stud. And Juan Thornhill finally looks like he's returned to the player that the Chiefs drafted, that he looked like during stretches of his rookie year, mm-hmm. which it's been over a year now since he tore his ACL. That's right. about the time frame when you see a guy, the burst is the last thing to come back. He's got the burst back, and he's got the confidence back. Mm-hmm. You've got three stellar defenders in that secondary now along with some stout players on that defensive line. I think, I think the Chiefs are going to come out and handle business. And, and it's something that I think a lot of people are going to come out after this game and be like, oh, well, yeah, of course the Chiefs were going we're gonna to dominate. The Chiefs were going to kick their ass and be like, oh, no, 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 no. Listen here. No. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very high on the Chiefs here. Man, it's going to be – man, this is going to be really close between all of us, and it's hopefully it. Oh, yeah. Yep, you're putting on the headband. Oh, we're not just putting on the headband, buddy. Yep. Okay. We're rocking dual headbands. Dual headbands. All right. Well, while you're doing that, I'm going to say 38 to 21 Chiefs. 38-21? Yeah. So we're all within a few points here and there of each other. Um, Excuse my brain. <laughs> Does it work? Can you see both logos? I, I don't know because the computer's – the computer's de- Can you yeah, see both I mean, logos? I can, yeah. See? Yeah. Uh, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Got my so, here, got my Essentia, Patrick Mahomes water. <laughs> this this game is also just huge for Pat Mahomes' potential legacy as like being able to be called the goat later. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a win against Tom Brady, <clears throat> you're definitely a big back to back Super Bowl wins, uh, and then if he gets a couple more, I mean, with what he's already accomplished in his career, like he'll be very much in the goat debate potentially before he turns. 30 which is insane mm-hmm. and i've already had insane. some friends ask me so and looking way down the line they're like if uh, say when it's all when when patrick Mahomes is retired and he's got four or five titles he said given that this is a different era than what brady had to pull, had to play in where the chiefs or the, anybody that the, there's only going to be the one uh one seed being the only one that will get the first round by, whereas Brady played in an era where almost his entire career it was the top two, got the first round by. 
He said if Brady or if Mahomes ends up with four or five titles, would that put him on par or surpass Tom Brady as the GOAT? I said, easy killer. You're getting something that we're talking probably 12, 15 years down the line if Mahomes can stay healthy. And that's a lot to – there's a lot that can happen in that time period. We don't know what happens. Right now. So, But I said right now if they win on Sunday, I said Patrick Mahomes will be on a trajectory Mm -hmm. that if he continues down that path or even near that path, he will be on his way to becoming the greatest over Tom Brady. For sure. And which, yeah, it's insane already, to think like, about it. Even before winning his second Super Bowl, he's already on that trajectory mm-hmm. because he had the MVP in his first year as a starter. Yep. No one else has done that. Winning an MVP in a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP in your first two years as a starter, nobody else has accomplished that. No. And it's hard to imagine it ever happening. Like, he, he kind of stepped into perfect situation for a young quarterback to be in. You have to sit a year behind a quarterback that taught him a lot about not being reckless with the ball. Yeah. And he still kept that edge to him where, like, yeah, he makes these crazy throws, but he's smart about it. Like, he's just – and it's it's incredible to watch. It I, just makes me so thrilled. Like, and I – there's something else I was talking with my brother about the other day. I was like, I just feel so lucky to be a Kansas City fan right now because – it was. It's just so cool that because this isn't like he fell into the Chiefs' lap. They went out and got him. You know, they mm-hmm. traded their next first, their next year's first round pick to deal yeah. up and get him and sat him for a year. You know, it's not like they went and we were going to get the guy. Boom, go. This is this is the keys. The keys are in your hands now. Here's the car. Go. No, they're like you're going to sit for a year. You're going to learn, and that's the old school way of developing quarterbacks. And it's it could not have been a more perfect situation for him. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just it. It makes me it, – it's just feelings that I've never felt before inside my chest as a Chiefs fan that it's like watching for decades for I'm mm-hmm. almost 30 years – no, I am over 30 years now as a Chiefs fan of having watched and just heartbreak and heartbreak and heartbreak and heartbreak. And there's still a part of me that is like, all right, sometimes you wait for the other shoe to drop. And that was especially the case in the Super Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. And – my brother was very nervous about this. He said, are you sure? He's like, man, Tom Brady is magic. Things just happen in games with him. I said, yeah. And my dad even came out and said, he's like, yeah, Patrick Mahomes never faced Tom Brady. And I said, yeah. But uh, magic things happen when Mahomes is out there, too. And then to my dad, I said, yeah, but Tom Brady hasn't faced Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl either. Mm-hmm. So Patrick Mahomes has an excellent opportunity to join I mean, some elite company. Sorry, if he can, if he can lose to... Eli Manning and Nick Foles in a Super Bowl. You can lose you to can Patrick lose Mahomes. To, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick the greatest Mahomes. quarterback that he's ever faced in a For Super sure. Bowl. I mean, yeah. I look at it, and I was like, the quarterbacks that he's beaten is an impressive list. Kurt Warner, um, uh, Donovan McNabb, McNabb, Jake DeLome. Mm-hmm. Those two are, yeah, but Kurt Warner's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson will likely be a Hall I think is on his way to being a Hall of Famer. Jared and then Goff. Jared Goff. And Matt Ryan, under other circumstances, right. could have been a Hall of Famer. Yeah. If he wins that Super if Bowl. If he wins and he, he won the MVP that year. And yeah. he would have won Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, that was another That's, point I made to Ty. Is I was like, you just got this I mean, hole that the Falcons couldn't even get for Matt Ryan, who is a guy that should be a Super Bowl champion and a former MVP. Matt Ryan, or I'm sorry, Matthew Stafford is neither of those things. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we... Already so went down that, so probably two Hall of Famers of the six. Mm-hmm. And right. this will be Eli will be a Hall of Famer by virtue of what he did. 
in winning those two Super Bowls. You take away either one of them, he's not a Hall of Famer. But the fact that he yeah. did it twice is probably going to put him in the Hall of Fame. Which is sad. Um, but it is sad because uh, <laughs> it looks like he has a better chance of getting in than Philip Rivers does. And Philip Rivers' stats far surpass uh, Eli Manning's. And Antonio so, Romo. And, and, yeah, Antonio Romo. It was the better NFC quarterback for, or NFC East quarterback for 10 years. But as a but, Kansas Cityan, it's just this, this will be my last point on it. As a Kansas City, it's kind of cool because I was sitting there thinking about it when I was driving up. And like we've, now we've seen the Chiefs in back to back Super Bowls. It really wasn't that long ago when we saw the Royals in back to back World Series. And I, mm-hmm. I sat there and I thought about it. I was like, all right, in the last 20 years, teams that have gone to back to back, you've got. In baseball, you've got the Phillies that did it in the late 2000s. Then the Rangers did in 10 and 11, lost mm-hmm. both of those. Phillies won one, lost one. And then the Dodgers, who lost both. And then it was the Royals in 14 and 15. It's four teams in the last 20 years in baseball that have gone to back-to-back titles or championship appearances. Royals are one of the two that won one, lost one. Neither, No team won both. And then in, in the NFL, also four teams that have gone to back-to-back Super Bowls. Obviously, the Patriots did it twice and won both of their times. Uh, no, I'm sorry. They only won both of them the first time, and then it was when they had the three-peat a few years ago that they won two and then lost the one in the middle to the Eagles. But anyway, and then the Seahawks went to back-to-back, won one, lost one. So the Chiefs now are the fourth team to go to back-to-back of the last 20 years. I just think it's kind of cool, and it's all happened in the last six, seven years, mm-hmm. that in the last 20 years – Kansas City has gotten to see we, here as Kansas City fans, we've gotten to see our teams, both our Chiefs and our Royals, go to back-to-back title games. Only city to say that in the last twenty years. So, I mean, which is kind of unreal. I reposted a post from my post from the Super Bowl last year, today, uh, and just since I moved here, it's been this May will be six years mm-hmm. since I moved here. I've seen you guys uh, end the drought for the World Series. And a 50-year drought for the for the Super Bowl. Yep. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, being able, even though I'm not a fan of either team, just being able to see this city, like, rally around that. Mm. And plus, on, on top of it, you have Sporting, who's very sporting good at what they do. Very like, good. I mean, as they, much as I, mean, I hate they've them. they accomplished a lot, though, in that time. Still, yeah, Sporting, like, yeah. You've still got a title in the good, last. But, but you've still got a title in the yeah. last 10 years. And then the multiple playoff appearances in the last – a few years recently. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they had a, a bad year or two in there, but, you know, even last year they were still in the playoffs. Right. And so it's, yeah, sporting has been one of the upper echelon teams in MLS. And, yeah, it's Kansas City has had a lot of success. And we know we don't have an NBA or an NHL team. And, God, it'd be yet. so much fun. Uh, and I think, I think within the next decade, I think a decade from now, we do say we have at least one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, it's, it's been a lot. Of, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a lot of fun. And the Royals are rebuilding. You know, they're getting out there, and they're actually spending some money this offseason. And, yeah. and here we are now with the Chiefs, just five days away mm-hmm. by the time this podcast comes out, three days away. But five yeah. days away from being in their second straight Super Bowl, which if you would have told me five years ago, I would have been like, okay, you're full of shit. Yeah. Like, we're not going to go to back-to-back Super Bowls. Maybe with Alex Smith, we're able to finagle our way. Like, if things break Number right, one, we can yeah. get into one. I always maintain that Alex was good enough to win, or at least get to, maybe win a Super Bowl. And with Patrick Mahomes, I just think we're going to win. Like, it's as the last thing that I told my brothers, I was like, until I see, until I'm proven, until I see otherwise, until the Chiefs or somebody proves the Chiefs wrong and proves 
Patrick Mahomes proves otherwise against Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to pick him to win in big games. Because, mm-hmm. again, I know I said all those playoff stats, his one loss is, a, is an overtime game where he didn't get the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, that's – the kid is just unreal kind of competitive. Yeah. And just finds ways to win. That's why I don't, I don't wear the headband and the jersey for nothing, man. It's, it's – <laughs> I can't believe this kid's in Kansas City. It's, uh, it's a little bit crazy. It is. A lot of it crazy. Yeah. It's going to be an incredible weekend. Uh, yeah. If you guys didn't uh, see your show last week, we did announce, speaking of Pat Mahomes, that uh, yes. during the draft this year, uh, we are challenging the Spoken Podcast uh, to our draft game. If you have any questions of what that entails, it's actually one of the very first KCPN, uh, the very first KCPN live broadcast was our draft game last year, four and a half hours of us covering the draft, uh, trying to predict players being drafted as the board fell to us. Uh, Duncan and Ty's team defeated me handily last year. Uh, really bad picks along the way for me. A lot of toss-ups that we were almost had. Like yeah. you, there, you can even hear the audio of me and uh, and Devin and and David all, always talking there. We were mentioned the player like four, five different times during that that we almost took. But that said, uh, this year we are challenging the spoken our. Uh, charity will be the uh, 15 and the Mahomies. 15 and the Mahomies. Uh, winning teams charity takes home 75% of the pot of what we raise. Uh, losing team still takes home uh, 25% to go 100% to their charity. Uh, and we will have that 100% broadcast on KCPN. I believe we're going to do it from a brewery. I want to still want to make sure that the brewery is still down to have us before we announce which yes. one. But it will be most likely live broadcast from a brewery here in Kansas City. So uh, there will be more information on that soon. It will be a lot of fun. Uh, Every year it's been more and more fun Mm. as we've done this. And this is Ty and my sixth year or, yeah, fifth or sixth year doing this. Wow. Um, And Duncan joined us a couple years ago. Uh, Kind of sat in and saw and. Gave advice to me. I did. And yeah, I put on... together that big old spreadsheet or <laughs> yes, whatever. It was, man, that was some work. Yeah, uh, and we we put a lot of time into it. Next week, we're going to talk a lot about the uh, senior, senior bowl, bowl that mm-hmm. happened last week. We don't want to do that without Ty because he really dove into it, took notes on it. He emailed us his notes, and so yeah, it didn't I was, feel right. I looked right him over. To... I'm like, it, it doesn't feel right us giving no. your notes when we weren't the guys who actually watched the game. Yeah. I watched several of the practices, but not the game itself. I read about it. Yeah. So. yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff came out of that. Um, a lot of interesting stuff that I didn't know too mm-hmm. about how they how they run the Senior Bowl. I didn't know that they flip coaches at one point so that the coaching oh, wow. staffs get to scout players. On the I other love team that. That's awesome. Day. Yeah, didn't know that. But uh, yeah, like I said, we'll have more information on that in the in the coming weeks. That we're just under three months away from the drafts, uh, and we're going to have a lot of cool stuff coming up uh, the next few weeks for that. Um, but Let's get into a little bit of NBA. There was a lot a of, bit fun, of NBA. A lot of fun games in the last few days and last week. Specifically, two in particular that <laughs> broke NBA records. Man, right? I or like I don't know if you want to call it a record, but I need to find this stat. It was insane to think about, but I just took a note on this. The games in question were Portland and Chicago. Yes. And uh Nets versus the uh Washington Wizards. Wizards. Both had incredible endings within 
in the last uh, five, basically the last five seconds of each game, last six mm-hmm. seconds, whatever it was, uh, both teams were down five points, and both teams ended up winning. So here's the stat. Okay. Nine times, and this is over the last 25 years, over mm-hmm. the last 25 years, there have been 23 and a half thousand instances in which a team has been trailing by five or more with under 10 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of those 23 and a half thousand has the team come back to win. Down Two five plus, 10 seconds left. Ten or, ten, or few, 10 or fewer seconds left. It happened twice over the weekend. Yeah. Less than 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, unreal. And Insane. I, I was telling him before before he got here, I was I actually had lunch here at Taps on Main and uh, was watching the replay of the Nets uh, Washington game. I didn't get to see it live. I didn't I, I didn't get to see how it played out. I did read about it, but watching the flow of that game and them for them to pull it off it was unreal. Like mm-hmm. they were down as much as eight points with like a minute left yep. and ended up coming back and winning. It's and off of a couple steal or off of yeah one one steal or no there was actually two steals in that game uh, to get them in position to score mm-hmm. which is insane but yeah if and I was talking to you before we started the show out of anybody in the NBA if you would have been like hey you know somebody hit two threes right at the end of a game when they were down by five points to get the win for their team like There's out of anybody in the NBA if you if I gave you three guesses. I, I this honestly, guy likely would have been in... Yeah, he would have been in the top three. Yeah, uh, Damian Lillard is who yes. he's re- referencing. I honestly... Dame Dalla. I would have probably guessed Steph Curry was one. Yep. Uh, and honestly, all three guys that were involved in the shots, because Dame hit both of the shots in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hit two threes. In the other game, it was Beal and then Westbrook. And Westbrook, yeah. So, three superstar guards. Um, but yeah, I would have. I would guess Steph, not going to lie, like... But Why yeah, Dame would have been in the top. Just because Dame is known for those daggers. Yes, like he for is, sure. You, I still remember the, a couple years ago when he knocked the Thunder out of the playoffs and just the. Yep, he I, ended. He ended the Russell Westbrook Thunder era. Yeah, like Westbrook was immediately traded. Well, not immediately, but traded. That was the to, last game that Westbrook ever played as a as yeah a and, member of the and Paul City George. Mm-hmm. Paul George and Westbrook were supposed to be together for a few years, and because of that shot, knocking them out well before they were supposed to be. Out of the playoffs. Toodaloo. <laughs> that whole core, they just said, you know what? Let's rebuild. rebuild. Let's just rebuild. rebuild. And, I mean, Sam we've, Presti's done a great job. We've talked about what they've done with that. It's yeah. unreal. But, yeah. anyway, yeah, so this, so Lillard does that. Lillard magic strikes again. And because, yeah, somehow he ends up with the ball again. There was a jump ball, I think, because they went after the The, bill, the Bulls inbounded. They went after it, mm-hmm. and they managed to force a jump ball. Somebody tipped it immediately just over to Dame. And, man, a guy was in his face, too. Mm-hmm. And he just he did what, what Damian Lillard does. Mm-hmm. Ice. Ice in his Ice veins. Ice in his veins. Yeah. Crazy. And Crazy. then the other one with, with Washington against Brooklyn. And Brooklyn's had their own things. Now, James Harden was out of this game. And so that mm-hmm. was a talking point. And, of course, one of the big talking points in the NBA right now is Bradley Beal and what the trade that needs to happen. Let's be honest. It, yes. they, they need to deal it's, him – He's he's pissed off. He's unhappy. They, is, he, is he playing well? Yes, but, uh, is but he, not always. But is he? Yeah, and not no, always. No and, and, and but that, the thing is, he still looks pissed off while he's hitting. Like in that game, there's multiple points where you see his body language, and you're just like, he basically want to be there. He sleepwalked through the most of that game. Yeah. Like there was a moment during a timeout 
where they're all huddled up and everything like that. Oh, he's he's sitting on the scores yeah. table because he just he does not want to be there. Yep. And he like you felt bad when you saw the Houston the Houston game that they played within the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks and him and John Wall talking. You could almost see John Wall just being like, "Get the fuck out of there!" Like, yeah. and uh, I mean, it's not like Wall's got anything particularly great going in Houston right now, but. They have Still become one of the top defensive in teams in the league this since they true. got rid of Harden. This is true. And they have won some games that you wouldn't think that they would. But then Beal stepped up down the stretch, mm-hmm. and, yeah, he hit that, that huge three to pull them within two. And 23-second half points, I want to say. It was just an insane play by I don't know what player made this for Washington, but he went and grabbed the ball and then just immediately flung it over to Westbrook. Mm-hmm. And you see Kyrie Irving go and collapse out on Westbrook, and Westbrook still just drills that three yeah. to give them the point, the, the one-point victory. Mm-hmm. And t- Kyrie Irving came out and admitted so after the game. And this is another thing that we, we've talked about numerous times in this podcast, and Kyrie Irving himself admitted. He's like, I couldn't cover a stick tonight. Yeah. Like, he... he <laughs> Shocking. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and t- he was all up in, in his face, in uh, Westbrook's face, and Westbrook just drilled it, and... Is Westbrook probably hits that shot three out of ten times, yeah. but that's still that's that's a monster game, and that's that's good for Washington going forward. Um, but I mean, inevitably they're still gonna they're still gonna deal Beal, but for sure, hmm, uh, deal Beal, damn it. Um, him. And so, but that's that's good for Westbrook. You know, that was that was a good thing just for the the morale of those players who are still gonna mm-hmm. be there after Beal gets traded. For sure, is that. You know, it's, Westbrook has been happier playing in Washington For than sure. he was in Houston. Clearly. And that's uh, – the deal will happen whether it's Milwaukee or whether it's uh, – I mean, I've there's been I mean, numerous – From what I've read, they, they do want to deal him somewhere where, like, he's not going to be just the only guy. Like, yeah. they, they do want to work with him and get him somewhere where he can win, um, which is admirable of that organization because some, some organizations like Houston – with Westbrook, are just like you know, send you to the worst you. team. <laughs> throw you to throw you to Washington, where the other star doesn't want to be there and he won't want to play with you either. Um, but yeah, he he needs to be out of there. There's, I mean, there's places where he wants to go where it's just like yeah, I don't know what they can trade for him. Um, mm-hmm. But that's that's the thing. You can't always pick your spot. Nope. Uh, teams don't always have the draft capital to, or just the players that another that Washington would want. So it'll be interesting to see where he winds up. I I think we'll see it before the deadline. I don't think that's going to be like a last second thing. Those type of deals rarely happen on deadline day. But he he'll be dra- and the deadline's not until March this year. So Ooh, which yeah. is which is huge. They have a full month, basically a month and a half to get the get something done. Uh, but something that is, I mean, I've talked about multiple times when we've talked about the Nets is, yeah, their offense is incredible. Mm-hmm. Actually, they're on track to have the best, the highest scoring offense in league history uh, with the with their trio. Their their offensive rating is like 147 when all three play, which is unreal. Or 144, some, somewhere in that line. But they also have the worst defensive rating in mm-hmm. history right now. And that's just not sustainable. They, and, and, gee, I feel like we had the same conversation. We were talking about mm-hmm. some elite offense just a few months ago mm-hmm. in a different sport mm-hmm. and how the defense was just as bad as the offense was good and that it was just a matter of time before it fell apart. Oh, that's right, the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> and we saw what happened there. Yeah. Brooklyn, this does not look good for you. No. 
And I, I still maintain to this day that the, the only way of flipping that is getting rid of Kyrie. Because it's clear mm-hmm. that Durant and Harden love playing together. There was points in the, at the end of that Washington game where if you watch Durant's body language on the court, he's, I mean, obviously he's pissed off. But Why like, did I agree to sign with this asshole? Yeah. It's just like, God damn it. Like, the dude. hell was I thinking? <laughs> I feel, I do feel for Durant. Uh, I mean. I went from having teammates like Steph Curry and now. I mean, not to deal with this Steph joker. guarded anybody, but they had guys that would. Steph, and, and, and Steph also went out and balled out, you mm-hmm. know, when he needed to. He was right. not a selfish player. For sure. But it's, uh, that's just not sustainable. If they want to be a true contender, that I. True. That trade you yeah. mentioned, man. I, I think it's I the love the trade. idea of that trade. The, the perfect trade, if you didn't watch last last week's show, that benefits both teams, in my opinion, is Kyrie for Drew Holiday straight up. Both teams get better. <laughs> Can you and imagine just, that playoff series? And I would God. just love to see, too, because like, the Milwaukee is the kind of team that could abs- absorb Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving and his far from stellar defense and be able to withstand that because of how good the rest of their defense is, particularly sure. that Giannis is just mm-hmm. – he's all over everything. Mm-hmm. But, man, I just – there's this this just image in my head that just makes me makes me laugh is I would love so much if there was a moment where Kyrie is sitting there acting up or being an idiot and Giannis just – just <laughs> springs <laughs> down there. The fuck are you thinking? Get out of here. <laughs> this is my team. <laughs> yeah. Kyrie just sulks down to the bench. <laughs> Yeah, that wouldn't go very well. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> but can you not see? Like, I, absolutely, like, with this like, long, just and he, would even funnier image because of how long Giannis is. Is if he's like four people away and just, <laughs> or, or yeah, you up. see exactly. It's like three spots down the bench, and Kyrie just sitting there barking at somebody. All of a sudden, you just you don't even see Giannis. You just see Kyrie just go, the fuck, and like realize that he just got smacked upside the head by Giannis Antetokounmpo. All right. You're I damn right, man. I want to see that happen so. Bad. I do too. Just see, and then it just pans over, and you just see Giannis over there, just no. dumbass. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> There's a video of Giannis the other day. He's getting interviewed by reporters, and he's just sitting by himself on the bench, and he's just like, you know, nobody's my friend. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to hang out with me. Look at me. I'm all by myself. People were like, man, who hurt him? Right. Like, <laughs> And he's obviously joking, but he he went so far into it that you're just like, is he joking? Is he committed? Is he just all by himself? Like, he is the only superstar there. Um, But yeah, it's there. There's a lot that still needs to play out with this with this NBA season. And I mean, there's. Well, I texted you guys about the Lakers Celtics game, and that was honestly the most impressed I've been with the Celtics in a loss this year. Obviously, they're the defending champs, uh, the Lakers, obviously. But that was an incredible game. I don't think Kemba should have taken the shot. but No. And LeBron is – man, when, when LeBron's dialed in, like, it's just so damn good. And I keep wa- – I've watched the footage of him with – when the, that three he shot over Daniel Tice over and over again. And he's just toying with Daniel Tice. I felt so bad yeah. for Tice. I mean, he had no business being the one out there covering LeBron. No. And – I, I was one of the replays I watched. Is, it was on the jump, and they joked about it. it was like, this looks like an ab workout or something like that. It's like LeBron just like, dit, 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 dit. like just keeps. Tice is like, fuck. Ty, yeah, you just <laughs> and Tice is like, I can do it, I can do it. Ah, shit, he just no, trained three. He, he just hit that, didn't he? Yeah, okay. but I mean, He's that was real. and that, that's a classic matchup. But yeah, the Celtics are you know they're going through a little swoon right now, but uh, they'll figure it out. 
Yeah, there's the too much thing is too much talent. You've, we've clearly seen the emergence of Tatum and Brown as the true one-two on that team. Yeah, and to his credit, Kemba came out and said, you know, I'm 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 the one who needs to adjust. I want mm. them to stay aggressive. I want them to be the guys. I'm the one who needs to adjust, and it's gonna be a process because he's he's a guy who's always been the number he's been one the option. One. Now, thinking of him as a three, when the when that finally mm-hmm. the adjustment takes, that's scary. That should be scary for the mm-hmm. rest of the Eastern Conference and anybody they might face in the finals. Yep, I still need to figure out their bench, mm-hmm. though. That's the biggest but, thing for me. You've got to figure out that bench. Also, that behind the back pass that to, Tatum oh, made to, <laughs> to, to Time Lord. Yeah, God, that, he put that on the money. Right, <laughs> he hit him in stride. Oh, if you have. It's, Possibly the best pass of the year. It so was. Far. It was. Yeah, I, I think it was. Like, because it was. He wasn't quite diving out of bounds, but it was a ball going towards out of bounds, about half court, and Tatum just grabs it before he can go out of bounds and just slings it behind his back. And there's a cell. What's the name of the Celtic player? It's Robert Williams, aka Robert, the Time Lord. Rob. Okay, I I, I heard that on <laughs> when I was watching the replay. I was like, isn't that Robert Williams? It's the Lord of and Time so and Space. Yeah. Williams is running down the court and he hits him again. It's a behind the back pass. He hits him in perfect stride. You would think this is Patrick yeah. Mahomes just hitting Tyreek Hill, streaking mm-hmm. down the NFL, uh, streaking down a football field, and boop, just yeah. easy dunk. I mean, it was just absolutely gorgeous, and it was one of those moments where you're like, "Yeah, Tatum's arrived." Like yeah, when it's something star. just casual like that. Yeah. With Tatum, I knew. I mean, I knew that he was going to be a, a star or superstar when he dunked on LeBron in Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals, his rookie year. Brown has been even more impressive. Like, cause that that took legitimately. This is his fifth year, mm-hmm. and he's finally to the point where we're like, his ceiling's way higher than what we thought. Yeah. Oh my god. Like, cause he's legitimately outplayed Tatum most yep. of the year. Um, but that duo. It's a scary duo. Oh my god, I can't wait. I I kind of went off on a little text stream after rewatching the game last night, and I was like, this they might have drafted Kevin Durant and. Kawhi and back-to-back drafts. Okay, that makes more sense because I was sitting there thinking I was like, but Kawhi and, and Durant didn't go in back-to-back drafts, <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm saying that. I like, see now that makes more sense. The comparison. I literally Brown, sat there and looked at that and like, Brown is the Kawhi type. He's the defender. He like, and Tatum. I mean, in the Eastern <laughs> Conference, him and Durant are, I think, like have the two best offensive ratings. Okay. Players. So, and you look at their <laughs> skill sets and how they play; they're very similar. Players. I was watching Monday Night Raw. <laughs> like what? So, which I always watch the Raw the night after the Royal Rumble. Which Edge, awesome, that was so sweet to watch Edge. We're, we're we're both big fans of that. That was freaking sweet. Um, but anyway, I, so I was, and they actually had Edge versus Randy Orton in the main event. And so I'm watching, and I, I get that text, and I pause, and I'm like. Trent and Litter didn't like, go. Did, drunk. They didn't go. <laughs> I had a feeling, uh, but Aaron's I was. Drunk. Th- that makes much more sense. No, they, yeah. it's if if and if, I'm not going to say they are. It's it is Durant and Kawhi, but if that's a poor man's Durant and poor man's Kawhi, that's incredible. That's still insane. I mean, they're already the number one duo as far as points per game in the league. Yeah, I mean, right Kawhi now. and Durant are two of the five best players of the last decade, mm-hmm. and if you've got both of them. B versions <laughs> of both of those guys. That's out freaking standing. Right. Speaking right. of superstars, what this royally pissed me off, and this is the, the I just had to say this. And it, yes, I'm biased as a K Stater. I love me some Rodney Magruder and <laughs> loved watching Magruder at K State. But he is now he's in his first seasons with the first season with the Pistons. He's in his fifth NBA season. He was undrafted. He had to bust his ass to get into the league after being in the G League for a while. And like so He's not playing a lot uh, coming off the Pistons bench at this point in time. 
but he's still there. He's still playing in the NBA. He's still getting, I think, four or five minutes a game. And so after the game, they played the Warriors, and after the game he goes up and he has some words with a Warriors player. And this Warriors player had gotten into it with Wayne Ellington, one of, one of Rodney's teammates earlier in the game. And so he goes up and has some words with him. Draymond Green decides to take it on himself to, in his post-game press conference, to absolutely wax. Who the hell is Rodney McGroom? He thinks he's a tough guy. I see all these tough guys There's in the so league so many now, tough man. guys. All these Too guys, many. like, I know for damn sure, though, Rodney McGruder ain't a tough guy. You're Draymond Green, man. What the hell do you need to like? You're gonna you're gonna come out and you're the fourth come after on title teams. <laughs> you're gonna come out and come after somebody for doing some doing a questionable move, man. You kicked a dude in the nuts in the NBA finals. You missed an NBA finals game and cost your team a series because you kicked a guy in the nuts. Yeah, and so you're really gonna you're really gonna question the actions of another person and actions again, which I would like to say, and because that was one of the points criticized, like. He wasn't even the game. He's like, that means Wayne Ellington would have had to have go and go on the sat in the bench and told him about it. You're still criticizing the dude for standing up for his teammate. Like he's right. going up and questioning another an opposing player mm-hmm. about an interaction he had with one of his teammates. Whether or not, oh, he's a tough guy, blah, blah blah. Whether or not he did that or not, man, just let bygones be bygones, Draymond. Mm-hmm. Like, and he went on this like 90 second rant in the mm-hmm. in his press yeah. conference afterwards. And that's not even the worst reaction by a Warriors player. Clay. Clay Thompson, who is he was, they had him in on the broadcast in the mm-hmm. broadcast booth for that game, and you know he tried to do his best. He asked at one point Steph Curry after the game, or uh, it was in the, during halftime. He said, "Steph, when are you going to? You just surpassed Reggie Miller for number two. When are you going to catch and surpass Ray Allen for most threes?" And he's like, uh, "You know, you've got to be close or something like that. Like it's probably going to happen sometime in the next month or so, right?" And and Steph calls him out. And he's like, "Man, you're the guy in the booth. You're the one supposed to have the stats and everything. Like, you tell me when it's going to happen." And they they look at Clay and they're like, "Yeah, Clay, he's like 400 off. Okay, it's, it's going ha- like to happen years. for like two years." And he's like, "Oh, oh, my bad." And so, but anyway, this this Magruder react, uh, interaction happens, and they ask Clay about, it, and he's just like, "Man, he's probably just mad because he's not going to be in the league anymore, much longer. You know, he's just, you know, he's probably just mad about that." And they're just like, whoa! The other announcers are like, shots fired! Wow! And they actually, he keeps on going a couple, about ten seconds later, and they are actually, he's like, all right, I'm done. Like you can tell, they're like, uh, uh-uh, no, Clay, cut it out. Like, you're you're a broadcaster right now. You're not a player. And one of the things, yeah, he says that is just like, yeah, he's probably not going to be be in the league much longer. Clay Thompson, yeah, it's been injuries. Guess what? You haven't played in a year and a half at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, and again, yeah, it's been freak injuries. Rodney Magruder's played more than you have. In the last two years, yeah. So, yeah, that's shit. Just, lu- that's that's shit luck for you, but it's just a bad look for a you're team a that future used to Hall be, of Famer. Well, and the team that used to be so like lovable, like yeah. When they first started out, you're like, man, the Warriors like Steph Curry's their star, their seconds. I mean, it was the LeBron league, so you're like, yeah, they're they're a cool story. And then Durant joined, and they became the villains, and now mm-hmm. they're just like really embracing that. Like, nah, we're the villains. Like, yeah, we won three titles. In four years, like no, it's this. It's just like no, and it just it, it's just. And again, yes, I'm biased because I'm a Rodney Magruder fan. But you know, my buddy Jason, who we were also went to K State, he was the one that pointed out to me in in our group chat first. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, man, that's that's some bullshit to come after Magruder like that. Because again, this isn't like he ran on the court in the middle of the game or he went to over to their bench and got in somebody's face. He had, and he didn't even yell or anything. He literally just went up and he like kind of 
got the kids, the opposing player's attention. I can't think of the name of the Warriors player. Got his attention and just kind of talked to him for a minute. Just And it wasn't even like hardcore barking back and forth. It was just like, yeah, man, I saw what you did. You know, like Because Wayne Ellington is a veteran in this league mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, yeah. he's been in the league for a decade. So maybe that's him. Hey, maybe that's what he was saying is you need to pay, pay your veterans a little bit more respect because mm-hmm. it was a young guy for this. And both Clay Thompson and Draymond Green is like, man, I'm just standing up for my boy. That's exactly what he was doing too. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how long he's been on the team or how many minutes he played. Right. And so I just – that's, man, you're, you're both – Clay Thompson for sure, maybe Draymond Green, Hall of Famers, probably Draymond because he was a key he's player on multi, such an iconic multiple team. Multiple-time defensive yeah. player of the year, yeah. too. Uh, he's, he'll be in. So two future Hall of Famers, and you're going to bring yourselves down to a level like that, right? barking at a guy for standing up for a teammate, and then you're also going to say, oh, man, he's going to be out of the league soon anyway, blah, blah, blah. You're talking about a guy who's who fought and scrapped to get there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like seriously, come on, like grow up. B- like act like you've been there. Yeah. So yeah. that's just, that's my to... biggest issue with those guys. Like they just they just don't stop talking. Yeah. It's just like guys, you've been down for two years now. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't your league anymore. Yeah. Leagues change when when everybody's back on that team. Like yeah, I think they'll be good. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're solid right now, and with Clay back, they'll be good. But they Absolutely. they're they're not going to run this league. No. Like, they had their the they their run. that dynasty is over, mm-hmm. and Steph Curry is still a special player, but I think that they break up sooner than later. So I think that each of them will finish their careers somewhere else on another on another contender. I could be I could see Steph being the one guy that they like. You know, Steph you multiple possibly, MVPs. Yeah. We're gonna take care of you, and they'll try to piece teams around him. So I'll have to, I'll have to factor in like some of their injuries over the like. True. Those could be guys that retire early. Like early-ish, like I mean, they're both in their early thirties now, right? Steph, Steph would be like thirty-two, mm-hmm. thirty-three. So he's. But can you just imagine Steph say at like thirty-six as like a sixth man on on your Jesus. Celtics? I'd love him as the you starter. Talk about the microwave. I'd love him as a starter on my current Celtics. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> you know, if as like a top contender in the East, I'm Jesus. assuming what the Celtics are. Yeah, you get a relatively cheap. Steph Curry to be your sixth man to come off the bench, like that's instant offense just gets right the there, rain brother. Down threes. Just comes in, he plays five minutes, and he hits four threes. And you're like, oh shit, we're all the, the Ray same. Allen it's, heat roll, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. I'd love to see that, but we'll see. We shall see. Uh, thanks for tuning in to this week's show. That's all we have this week. Like I said, like, next Chiefs week, Kingdom, y'all. Yes, next week we will tell you how the Super Bowl went. Hopefully we were talking about another Chiefs Super Bowl. Back win. to back, baby. Run it back. Last last mission. The mission is almost complete, guys. We're right there. We got one final stop. One final part of the mission of run it back. Let's finish it. Yep. And we will also give you our notes on the senior bowl with Ty. Ty's here. notes, really. We'll I, I said I will commit to trying to find okay. the game and rewatch. There the is a tackle I do want to talk about from a small school, so I will have things to contribute as well. Also, a center from a small school who dominated in practices, the mm-hmm. Whitewater, Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, I think we're talking about the same kid. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't a tackle then. I'm pretty sure he was a center. Yeah, um, We'll have this figured out like next he week. He was, was Offensive Lineman of the Week, whatever. Yeah, he's... Huh? He was voted offensive lineman of the week yeah. by the D line group. They they have it where the position group you oh, go against wow. votes for the that's, player of the week, and God, he that won. So smart, yeah. So it's the guys who actually have to play against him. Yeah, so, yeah. 
Anyways, we'll have more on that next week and more information on our draft game, draft battle, whatever you want to call it, very soon. Thank you. Go Chiefs! Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. 911, what's your emergency? Señora, ¿me está diciendo que un tren le pegó a una camioneta? Sí, yo pensé que alcanzaría a cruzar, el hijo iba rápido, creo, y después... ¡Ay, Dios mío, qué horror! No puedes saber a qué velocidad viene un tren. Por eso están los señalamientos de advertencia. Obedécelos. Alto, el tren no para. Mensaje de Nietzsche.